the fascia is where all the branches of science connect. And so if you can start to peek in to studying fascia, you will find yourself in these wonderful tributaries that expand your understanding of yourself in multidimensional ways. It's endless and it's humbling. I'm Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Dhani, the podcast. I believe everybody has a story and Dhani has been all about these stories coming from opinions, personal experiences, life lessons and so much more. And somewhere along the lines, we find ourselves being part of these stories or they being part of us in nooks and crannies, in crumbs, in echoes and reflections. With my personal interest in fascia, I have been wanting to speak to somebody whom I could gather um, opinion and information and learn from. Uh, So our guest today um, is one of the best people to talk to about corrective movements, about fascia, about connective tissue, Jill Miller. Jill has over 30 years of experience in corrective movement expertise that forges links between the worlds of yoga, massage, athletics and pain management. This is a power-packed podcast and our conversation ranges from the fascia to the health of uh, the connective tissue from walking to running and to um, maintaining the emotional health of connective tissue. Have a listen and uh, if you like this podcast, please do share it with your friends and families and on your social media platforms. Thank you. Jill, what an honor for you to be here on Dhani. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Jill, I was, uh, as we were just sort of ta- uh, talking before we started uh, the, this conversation, recording the conversation. Um, your work I have been following on um, Instagram and otherwise as well. Um, the tune-up fitness balls that you offer and other um, therapy work that there is uh, on your website and on um, uh, the posts that you have, which are always, always just so full of information. It's, it's just beyond me. I mean, it's just like how much can a person know and how much <laughs> can a person digest but it's 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 amazing um and i'm so glad that i am finally uh, able to talk to you and with your specialization into uh, pain management into body works into knowing the anatomy inside out um and with being working with athletes and working with corporates i mean with your experience, I want to just sort of hone into um, the fascia. Give us a sure. give us a one-on-one, like a quick fascia. What is it? What what do we mean when we say connective tissue? Because it's not just fascia. What what are we looking at? Simple terms. Okay. So I, 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 lately, I've been trying to simplify for 
um, so many different groups because I sometimes forget that though fascia is a, a ruler in my life and an operating principle, and it's something that I've, I've studied for so long that it's just something I'm familiar with that most people <laughs> still aren't, right? <laughs> and so what, what, what fascia is, is one of the easiest ways to think about fascia, I think, is just to take yourself to the market and specifically to the butcher counter. And you may need to plug your ears, my vegetarian friends, but if you look at different cuts of meat, and especially red meat, you'll see that there is white film, um, sometimes thick, sometimes thin, threading throughout the cut of meat. And sometimes the, the film is surrounding the meat, like if you get a whole, uh, you know, a whole loin or something. Um, and we are the same. We have these fascial tissues that thread and surround every single muscle cell that we have. It surrounds bundles of muscle cells, groups of these bundles, and entire uh, muscles in its entirety. Mm. And really, we can think of the fascia as a, a seam system, a stitching system that connects you to yourself from foot to face, from organ to skin, and mm. everything in between. Uh, I think okay. a lot of people think of some of the properties of fascia um, in, you know, in a variety of ways, but I'll, I'll go ahead and throw, throw to you if you had another question about what I just described. No, I'm, I'm totally with you, but I'm just wondering because why is it that it's just uh, sort of been discovered in the very recent past? Well, it hasn't been discovered in the recent past, but it's been the subject of research in the recent past. Mm -hmm. um, and in my specialty is self-myofascial release, which is the, the study of using tools on yourself to influence your fascial tissues and to influence really this world of fascia and how it integrates into your body, which is so many systems in one. And that research, uh, really, the, the first research um, that was published, I believe it was 1993 or 94, mm. which totally crazy. Um, but there, you, you know, that's really recent. We're talking about just around 30 years of research. Yeah. But, but fascia has been researched for much longer, but the explosion of research has happened in the last 12 years. And it's, um, it's really an incredibly exciting frontier. Mm. So, um, if we were to sort of look at the internal environment and then look at the external environment, what what are the different factors that help or not help the health of uh, fascia? Well, anything that helps your body will be a benefit to your fascia. I mean, your your fascia isn't a discrete thing that doesn't, you know belong to other things. You have fascia mm -hmm. that is the structural uh, matrix for your organs, for your muscles, um, threading all the way into your bones. Uh, so anything that's going to be of, of help and wellness and support for the whole body should be helpful for fascia. But what one of the things that when fascia isn't routinely uh, mobilized, stretched, massaged, um, nourished or encouraged, you can get snags in it. And those mm -hmm. snags are what we would call adhesions, like basically inner scabs. 
where, where we lack the, the correct relative motion in fascial tissues. And that's going to lead to muscle weakness. It can lead to muscle pain, imbalances of strength, you know, within it, within a muscle itself, certain parts of the muscle work more than another because the connective tissues within it, the fascial tissues are bound up, um, sticky and not gliding correctly. They're not, they're not, they're not moving in the way that they should. And so that's Mm -hmm. really the biggest problems, but that movement, the, the movement of the fascia can be helped by massage and by making sure that you move regularly all of your joints in a variety of, way, a variety of ways on the regular. Mm-hmm. So what variety of ways are we talking about if you were to count a few on our fingers? Okay, well, my favorite... <laughs> My favorite is obviously self-massage because it's something that uh, you can do at almost no cost to yourself. I mean, I, of course, am an entrepreneur and I sell my tools, which are soft, squishy, squishy, grippy balls. Mm-hmm. But you have something in your house, like even, uh, well, tennis balls are actually harder than my balls, but something that has some squish, has some grip. One of my favorite ways to do self-massage is with a rolled up yoga mat because a yoga mat has a little bit of squish, it has some grip, and you can, uh, but you want to have something that can also tool around into nooks and crannies and crevices of your body that are unreachable with your own hands. And so it's nice to have, you know, a therapy ball that can do the work that a skilled massage therapist would be able to do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the other ways that I like to routinely, um, Uh, maneuver my fascia is through very, very slow motion, rhythmical uh, joint mobilizations, um, especially for my, my spine. So I like to do very slow motion. What would some people would say looks like a cat dog type of, not cat dog, um, cat cow. Right. Okay. But there, there's a little bit more design to them. So that's one way that I, I really like to, um, so quote unquote, maneuver my birthday suit, right? The, the <laughs> deep birthday suit is my fascia. And, and then I, of course, I am a very mobile person. I have a ridiculous amount of mobility, um, you know, bordering on hypermobility, not bordering. I'm hypermobile, let's be honest. So I also do... Uh, at least once or twice a week, I make sure I do some type of strength training um, where I lift weights. We have some weights here. It's the pandemic, but my husband and I invested in a a barbell, which was a great investment for both Mm -hmm. of us to maintain strength um, in our, in our whole body. And that, and of course your fascias respond to the stresses placed upon them. So if all you do is stretch all the time, you're going to have very, um, unfortunately overstretched connective tissues and that can lead you to injury. So I have to make sure, and I think all people should make sure that they get a, an adequate amount of strength work in their body to balance, you know, to balance off the yumminess of stretching. And then the last thing that I believe is uh, critical to the health of all citizens on the planet is that we walk and we find uh, mm. safe to walk. Um, so that we can, you know, be 
exposed to the elements um, and breathe well and take the body through the natural uh, motions of walking. Can I possibly pick your brains on on how we would sort of weave together instead of talking about connective tissue, it's sort of a pun intended, but you know, pain. So are we feeling the pain in the, in the fascia, which is a thin layer? Are we feeling the pain in the muscle tissue? Um, so how do we sort of weave the pain management, the fascia, the emotions, how do they manifest themselves in, in this, um, in this, um, Big uh, birthday suit, as you as you say. Yeah, isn't this a great? This is such a great question. Some of the newer research is startling around the nerve endings and your fascia. So, the fascia isn't just this inert thread that's all over your body, but it's comprised of a number of different cells. It's comprised of many different fluids, many different fibers. Uh, which have different elastic properties, but the fascia is also a site for hundreds of millions of sympathetic nerve endings. Um, mm. And so many of these nerve endings are, you know, communicating to the central nervous system your position, um, your movement, and of course, if there is something noxious in the area. So these uh, nerve endings, many of these nerve endings, free nerve endings can indeed relay pain sensation um, and pain experience to, to the central nervous system. And then the central nervous system decides how to interpret that. And then we have a, a bottom up, top down discussion that sometimes we're, um, we're able to um, be an observer of, and other times we suffer deeply depending on you know the levels of pain our bodies experience because pain is so subjective it's so different from person to person um, but these nerve endings so many of these nerve endings are in your fascial tissues wow well no wonder i feel uh, so good every time i'm using one of your tools or even the foam roller which brings me to uh, the point that um for all the listeners who have chronic pain or perhaps fibromyalgia. What kind of a what kind of a situation are they looking at, which is obviously not visible to the mm -hmm. naked eye? Yeah. So there's a number of of students or um, customers, clients, who you know report to me that they have fibromyalgia or um, other chronic pain conditions, um, regional pain syndromes that have been able to use the therapy balls to manage their pain symptoms or alter their pain perception um, for, mm. and they're very grateful because it allows them to reduce medications and work in a more complementary way with both uh, meds as well as therapy. And then some who are able to completely move away from meds, which is absolutely amazing. Mm. But you know, they're, each person is so, they're so different and so individual. Um, you know, I have had clients with uh, very complicated, very complicated conditions. Um, and sometimes the rolling will make things worse. And you never really know what is 
going to be the exact right dose and the exact right length of rolling that is going to um, anger <laughs> some of the, mm. you know, some of the, some of those body parts that you're trying to treat or whether it's going to be just the right amount. So I think initially there is a lot of your body as the lab trying to figure out what is the right pressure that is not going to set me off um, an hour later or, or tomorrow. And mm. I, I certainly, you know, I create products that are for the general public public. Mm -hmm. like, I think of my mom all the time whenever I launch anything because mm -hmm. I want my to be able to understand first because my mother does, does not you know she loves to go get a massage but she is less inclined to do for herself and I want her to have a great experience when she you know uses them um, or does a sequence that I've that I've created and say mom please do this for your knee or mom please do this for your your foot so, um, but you know, it's really, it's very, it's, it really is a, a new experience to be the person who is in pain, but also creating the self-treatment or applying the self-treatment. Um, that, that, that's revolutionary, I think for many people, but once you get over the hump of the learning, the learning edge of figuring out, well, how much is just right? Um, then you'll start to see your body will adapt. Your mind will mm -hmm. adapt. Your tissues will adapt. They become more compliant. You typically have less flare-ups. Um, or when if you do get a flare-up, you know where to go in your body to be able to get a soothing response. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes how it is that we might be feeling the referral pain and it's that's not actually where it's originating from. Absolutely. So how do we sort of navigate through this discovery process? Um, if you don't know anatomy, what I'm about to say is going to go over your head. So I'll say, <laughs> I'll say it anatomically, but then I'll also say it differently. Actually, I'll say sure. it differently first. You're allowed to experiment with your own body. Your body is not a unit that is the exclusive Petri dish for clinicians or therapists. You are allowed to take control and experiment. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the famous sayings of Ida Rolf was where the pain is or where you feel the pain. I'm totally butchering this. Where the, where you feel the pain ain't where it started. And so mm -hmm. that's the, that's the referral pain thing. So sometimes we can have a pain you know, near our collarbone and the collarbone or the, you know, the upper chest is being compressed and um, tensioned, not because you did anything there, but it might be coming from something in your lower back, mm. right? Or it might be something coming from the other side of the body. And so I don't always encourage people to roll the part that actually hurts, but mm. to maybe explore perimeters or explore an opposite and and play that way um i recently did a program with a colleague of mine uh tom myers who is the creator of anatomy trains and of course yeah methodology i think is really good at explaining these referral pains 
uh, he has a basically an approach that looks at the fascia and its continuities, its tensional continuities uh, throughout the body. And and he and you know many other people have seen these continuities, and he's created terms for them. There's the the superficial front line, the superficial back line, the lateral line, mm-hmm. the spiral line, mm-hmm. deep. So he and I created a program called Rolling Along the Anatomy Trains that really empowers people to be able to be a little more accurate with their own uh, self-assessments. And Mm. we're we're editing that now. We'll be releasing that, I think, in late March of next year. I I really want people to have the information so that they can do this on their own. But, you know, I, I explain this, I think, pretty simply in my book, The Role Model, um, and then, and I try to explain it whenever I teach. Um, you know, earlier you were, you, you were, you were saying that really, uh, maintaining the health of fascia is just about anything that you would do even otherwise in terms of walk, in terms of strength work, in terms of stretching. So if we were to talk about yoga, um, does it help the connective tissue, the fascia that we're talking about? Well, sure. It, or it it, does it sort of, sort of let, lend to, um, uh, as you said, the nerve endings and the, the messages for relaxation for the fascia to sort of ease up? Yeah, I mean, depending on how you practice yoga, you know, the, how long you practice yoga, um, the type of yoga you practice. I mean, movement is really good for your, for your fascia. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would just depend on what your goal was with a, a particular, with, you know, if you're like talking about global fascia, um, yes, but then you could be even more specific about, oh, I really want to help my, the fascia in my glutes to be less stretchy because my glutes feel very weak because I've been sitting at my computer this whole pandemic. Do you think mm-hmm. that doing a lot of forward bends in yoga would be good for my glute fascia? And I would say, no, that probably wouldn't mm-hmm. be. You're already sitting on stretched glutes all day, every day. You want to actually do something that's going to stimulate um, the muscle cells within your glutes and actually try to help your, your gluteal fascia to tighten up a bit. And so that would be a different type of of, of uh Ex, you know, yoga exercise or yoga positions. Sure. Yes, yeah. not bends, but more like, like the kind of locust back bends where you actually try to, you know, uh, lift your your legs a, away from the ground. You know, you're laying on the ground, and you know, like cobra, you lift your your head and spine and rib cage up, and then the locust, you lift your legs up. So it's it, you know there would be other exercises that I would say within yoga, you'd have to look at not just yoga as a generality, but what would be helpful for which fascia or which region. Of course, of course. Um, Jill, I remember listening to one of your podcasts um, and I'm forgetting who it was with, but you were talking about bursitis of the hip. Okay. And uh, you had uh, faced a similar situation. Hmm. So was that that brought you to this massive study? Uh, no. No, I, 
I don't think I ever had bursitis. I'm trying to figure out which podcast. I definitely had a hip replacement. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you you were talking about the limitations of yoga and sometimes how we have to be so careful because there can be certain situations that can be exacerbated. So I'm just sort of trying to weave in because there's so many people who have been advised with hip replacements and with bursitis um, to, to go for yoga. And we have to be, as yoga teachers, very mindful of, of these things, right? You know, you have a few different versa in your hip, but probably the one that people irritate the most is this lateral bursa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where leaning on your side irritates it. You know, a bursa is a, is a con- continuation of, you know, it's fluid inside of a, of a tendon and it needs to be there for protection of a joint. So typically when we get an itis, it often signifies that one body part is doing more or is being uh, more under stress than the other parts of the same area. Yeah, so basically I'm just trying to uh, understand the role of um, the bursa and the connective tissue and um, how we can sort of work towards the health of both? Yeah, I mean, really, it's all about, it's all about balance. Sorry to say, sounds so boring. But, um, you know, if there's irritation in a, a certain vector of movements in the hip, you really want to look at what are the movements that are probably not being, um, or, the, you know, the muscles that are, not being employed on the regular. And one of the things I find with yoga people is that their adductors tend to be very, very weak um, because mm-hmm. of the constant drive towards open hip, you know, stretch your hips apart, ab, you know, hip abduction and external rotation are a really big um, set of asana that um, that seem to be given preferential treatment, I guess, within the movements in, in yoga classes. And so, mm. uh, I think adductor strengthening, you know, if I had to say all yoga people, please, please <laughs> learn to do dynamic, uh, exercises for your adductors, as well as very long isometric holds against gravity or against objects to strengthen all of your adductors, all five of them. Sorry, so when you say very long, what kind of a timeline are we looking at? Um, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, and mm. you're going to probably doing things that don't necessarily look like yoga, but if you look at, I mean, one of the, th- one of the greatest gifts in, for me, the last 20 years, once I started teaching at a gym, <laughs> was learning the art of strength and, strength and conditioning, and mm. that a blessing for balancing out these overstretched and these overemphasized um, flexibility, uh, this, dri- this drive for flexibility that my early years practicing yoga, I thought was the yoga. Well, I didn't think it was the yoga. It's just, it was really fun to do those mm-hmm. poses, but I didn't realize I was creating a tremendous amount of imbalance in my structure. Mm. 
that's it that's it that's yeah we we just have to uh, as as teachers incorporate and actually as even as students look out for uh, strength and conditioning as you're saying during our uh, practice because there's too much emphasis on these postures and on this instagramable postures rather uh, which sort of uh, takes the body completely um in danger zone yeah, but I will say that I got, I didn't study Instagram when I was 11. Like, I was learning yoga from magazines and from books when I was a preteen. And my initial yogas are what set me up. Uh, Instagram was not a factor in my overstretched <laughs> body, okay? So we cannot just blame Instagram. Like, it's the sure. yoga, it's a belief. I think there is just a, especially in the US for sure. I mean, I know you live in, in England. I, I would imagine there are some shared um, uh, aspirations there in the yoga community, but it is, um, you know, and also as a hypermobile person, that uh, just made sense to me. And I was a dancer too. And it's like, it just, that all made sense to my body. It wasn't really a problem until it became a problem. Mm-hmm. You did mention walking being a sort of a staple uh, body movement. What do you um, have to say about running? I don't run. I just find it completely difficult to run. <laughs> but what, um, what, what, what can we say? What, what can you say to the to the audience who who likes to run? Oh, good for you. I mean, I think <laughs> running is such a beautiful form of self-care mm-hmm. and I wish uh, I felt that I could safely run the way I did when I was in my teens and 20s mm-hmm. um, I just know that if I run too much like more than a block which is chasing after my kid uh, <laughs> it's probably a little risky for me I, I think it's you know I've learned different um, forms of running and it 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 really is part of the, I think, our genetic code. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a really important movement skill. Not everybody's comfortable doing it or they have, yeah. you know, conditions that are irritated by running. But one of the great side effects of, of running is the, that cardiovascular boost, which is so helpful for healing and for uh, your brain. So I think that um, obviously... I'm a really big fan of recovery post-run, so I work with a lot of runners and triathletes and athletes and help them with, you know, with the overuse that can happen with, you know, long-distance running and, you know, and sport. So it's important to just have a balance and know, know what you're, you know, know how to unwind from, from the run. Mm-hmm. I wish I could, but somehow... I, I can't bring myself to that. Jill, just coming towards the end of, um, of the podcast, two things. One, three main takeaways that you might want uh, the listeners to have in their sort of on their tips and sort of just be very, very mindful when they're thinking connective tissue. And two, if um, the audience wants to know more about your work and about your tools and your products. Where can they find all this information? Three main takeaways. Um, you have the power to self-treat. 
You're mm-hmm. fashion too, so that's one. You're you are a role model, which is a reference to my book. You are <laughs> a role model for yourself. Um, two is your fascial tissues, and this is not a quote from me. This is a quote from A.T. Still, the founder of osteopathy. The fascia is where all the branches of science connect. And so if you can start to peek in to studying fascia, you will find yourself in these wonderful tributaries that expand your understanding of yourself in multi-dimensional ways. It's endless and it's humbling. Um, and then three, get down and roll. <laughs> totally with it, totally, totally with you on that. Right, I have a full set of your tools, but where can uh, our listeners uh, find you and more about your work and more about your tools? Sure. Um, for those of you who are uh, super science-minded, I just wrote a chapter in a medical textbook called Fascia Function and Medical Application. So those of you who are like, I want to read the research, where's she talking, where's the science from? That's what you can find in Fascia Function mm-hmm. and Medical Application. So I wrote a chapter on self-myofascia release and tools. So I hope, you know, that's for those of you who are, are on that end of the spectrum. Um, for those of you who are just curious and you're also wanting to know more about rolling and you're a reader, my book, The Role Model, is a great place to start along with the tools. And all of that is available on my website, which is tuneupfitness.com. And the website also has a very robust blog that's full of long-form articles that includes beautifully written articles by myself and by um, some of our other teachers or uh, professional writers who write for us. And that includes a lot of free videos and content um, so that you can do self-study via for free. And then we have YouTube and all that. I'm mostly hang out on Instagram. And so you can find me there at, at Yoga Tune-Up. Yes, it's it. I, I've been through your website a number of times, and it's fun, and it's it's just loads of fun, and there's so much information. As I said, you're you're a powerhouse, and uh, one wonders that oh my god, Jill, um, I can't thank you enough for your time and for uh, taking us through this this massive thing, and I think we can just go on talking about it. Um, but thank you, thank you so much once again. Thank you. 